The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Is there a better way? Hey, if you're into sports and you're in a romantic relationship, you might be in trouble this weekend. Yeah, so I was just looking at it, and you know, I don't think this has ever happened before, but the Super Bowl lands on Valentine's weekend. And, and so here's the conflict, right? Like Super Bowl, Sunday, the day before Valentine's Day, but Valentine's Day is on Monday, so when are you gonna take her out? You're in trouble. Because you can't exactly say, hey, sit next to me and watch the game as our Valentine's date. So what do you do, right? And so it gets messy. And what this reveals is the messiness in relationships. How like, you know, you're trying to compromise, but like finding middle ground really gets you in trouble. Like you can't have a nice candlelit meal with the TV running in the background because you're going to put all your focus on the TV and they may feel neglected. Now, maybe you're the wife and you're like, hey, hey, I like football too. And I don't really want Super Bowl Sunday to be our Valentine's Day out, right? So you got to figure it out. And how does that usually work for you? Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes that creates intense conflict. Maybe there's some yelling. Maybe there's some trouble. Maybe you're trying to figure out how to work out the relationship, but it usually gets heated and a little out of control. Maybe you just withdraw, And you go, man, this isn't working. Here's what I know. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're gonna get what you've always got. And why do we do what we do? Here's what I know. Some of you, you do what you do because you have to. That's called responsibility. Some of you do what you do because it's what others expect of you. That's called duty. (laughs) I have kids who are, at least one of them, who's in the process of, you know, hopefully potty training, so... You know, what others expect you to do, duty. Um, Or you do it because that's just the way you've always done it, right? That's routine. Maybe you're doing things because it feels good, right? Those are desires. Most of the time in our relationship with others, we're doing what we have to do, what's expected of us, what we've always done. And how is that working for you? Most of the time when we're doing it because we have to, whether our heart's in it or not, it doesn't go well, and it leads to trouble in relationships. So what's, what's motivating you? Maybe it's responsibility, maybe it's duty. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. What I'm saying is, even when you give your best effort, because you have to, and your heart's not in it, others pick up on that, and that will cause trouble in the relationship. Because then either you feel used, right? Like somebody's taking advantage of you, And when you're motivated by a have to, not only do you feel used, but you feel dried up. You feel burned out. And how many of us are giving our best effort and get burned out? And then we start to offer less than our best, which isn't enough, or we start demanding others to do it for us, right? And then we start using other people. So with that, I want to introduce you to um, a teaching about relationships. Now, here's the thing. Maybe, maybe you got into a relationship and you're looking at it going, man, I, I'd appreciate if there was like an instruction manual for how to get this relationship right. Or maybe you started building a relationship without the instruction manual and now you need some reassembly and you need to take it apart to reassemble it with some good instructions. 
So let me introduce you to a brief instruction manual on relationships and love. So the setting for what I'm gonna share with you is uh, in the early church, it's actually in a city called Corinth. Now the city of Corinth was a city of about 200,000 people uh, known for their extravagant living and wild partying. It was a city that at the center had the temple to the goddess uh, Aphrodite, right? Which she's the goddess of sexual desire, of erotic love. And so you have a city centered on sexual experimentation and sexual exploitation. To uh, Corinthianize someone, to make someone like the people of Corinth was to get somebody to begin to party wildly and live sexually uh, in sexual experimentation. Like, sounds very modern for an ancient time. The apostle Paul showed up at this city and he began to tell the Corinthians about Jesus and many of them converted and began to believe in Jesus and it started an early church. And uh, in that early church, they started reaching other people for Jesus. And as people came in, here, here was the challenge. They came in, they began to believe in Jesus, but they brought that kind of like selfish, sexual desire with them. And so they were living like they did before they met Jesus, but they were believing in Jesus. And so the apostle Paul, he moves on to start churches in other cities, but he writes a letter to them a letter on love, an instruction about love, and it's in our Bible. There's, it's actually two letters, but the first one is called 1 Corinthians, and we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13. And he opens up with this statement. He's transitioning to talking about love, and he says, but now I want to lay out a far better way for you. And he's going to talk about love, but what has he been talking about? Far better than what? Well, what he's going to go on and explain is what he was explaining in chapter 12 was this. He was saying, every one of you are unique. Every one of you are special. Every one of you have been given supernatural gifts and abilities from God to contribute to the greater good of serving and caring for others. Now, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like a good way. But he, what he's challenging them is, if your motivation is even God and God's spirit at work in you, you bring your best and you do your best effort, that's not enough. There's actually a better way. But in that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is what he's saying is a good way. He goes, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. So there's unity. God is working through this person and this person. Everyone is contributing their best efforts. If there were only one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And so his point is that everybody has different gifts and abilities. We all have to bring them to serve others, to build up the whole, right? We build up the community where everyone feels supported and cared for. But he goes, this isn't enough. That, that looks and sounds like a home where you got different people doing different parts. Every part is contributing to the greater whole. But in that environment, you can begin to feel used, t 
taken advantage of, or you can start to use others. Why? In this, in this explanation, he said, here's the challenge. Depending on what gifts and abilities you have, you can begin to feel more important than others. So then you start to kick into pride and arrogance. And when pride and arrogance kick in, you can start to believe that others should serve you. But if you feel like you're there serving others and they're taking advantage of you, your motivation can be based on obligation, frustration. And he said, there, there's a, he goes, there's a far better way. So he concludes that chapter and transitions into chapter 13 with this. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. This is the best possible way to be in relationship with others. And so look right there, you, your, your eyes have to get big and go, okay, there is a better way than me bringing my part and doing my part and serving and contributing and caring for others. And he goes, yeah, absolutely. And then he explains why this is the most excellent way, why it's better than what he had just talked about. So this is how he starts 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, I mean, if you can craft the most perfect Valentine's poem, if the way you speak is just, I mean, it's captivating. You don't just have finesse. I mean, you got charm. He says, if I speak in the words of men and of angels, but I do not have love, my words are like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. That, that great poetry is like a shriek in the ear. Then he continues, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries, if I can see what God's about to do and I can understand everything that's happening in the world around me, I, have mis I can understand mysteries, I have all knowledge. And if I have faith, so I, I have great understanding, I have great revelation, and if I have faith, that can move mountains. But all of that knowledge and all of that understanding and all that faith, I don't have love. I don't have anything. I am nothing. If I give all the possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So he talks about the way we speak if I, if I have all this way to speak, my words are not just nothing, they're a problem. If I have all this understanding and, and knowledge and revelation without love, it's, it literally is, he goes, that is nothing. I, I am nothing. And if I give and I suffer without love, I've given nothing. Where is he going? Love is better than our best efforts. Love is better than our best efforts. We are usually driven by one of two motivations, duty or desire. Duty, I'm doing what I have to do and what other people expect of me. Or desire, I'm doing what I want to do because it feels good. And when I do what I have to do or what others expect of me, often it falls in a category of I'm going to give my best effort, but I'm doing it driven by obligation. And I, it leads to burnout and frustration. Or I'm doing what I want to do, which is driven 
by a selfishness because it makes me feel good. But usually, just like in the city of Corinth, when I'm doing what I want to do, I'm driven by my desires, by my passions and pleasures. I'm taking advantage of others, exploiting them. This is driven by sin. The, the selfish desires are rooted in a spiritual problem called sin where I turn my back on God, I do what I want to do, and anytime I'm doing for others, it's out of obligation, and, I'm, and I'm, my best efforts are still clouded by my selfishness. Sin corrupts my relationship with God, and it wrecks relationship with others. And it leads us toward a forever far from God. But God, one of my, my favorite things to say is, but God. But God was unwilling to spend forever without you. And so he came to us. Jesus came from heaven to earth and show, he, he didn't just show us a better way. He is the better way. He is love. Jesus, driven by love, God who is love, came to earth, and, and it says this, right? God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Why? So that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. When you believe in Jesus by faith, you believe that G Jesus came to earth, died on a cross as the ultimate expression of love. He, he gave his life to take on our shame and guilt, to absorb our sin, and our eternal death sentence. So that when we believe in Jesus by faith, we're forgiven of all of our shame and guilt. That selfish, the consequence of selfish desires is removed. All that yuck inside of us is cleaned up. All the guilt that we carry because of wrong things we've done, maybe we've taken advantage of someone, maybe we've used someone, maybe our motivation wasn't quite right, and whatever we were doing was just purely out of obligation without the right attitude. God cleans all of that up. He forgives us of sin, and he gives us new and forever life. Because Jesus not only died, he rose from the dead, and in his resurrection, we find life and the promise of eternity with God. And when you believe in Jesus, you are now filled with God's spirit. God is love. His love is selfless love. And when you believe in God, he puts his love in you. And so right now, if you want to, if you're making a commitment, you wanna say yes to Jesus, you're saying, I need that love from God. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins, that he rose again from the dead, that he loves me and he wants to forgive me. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Would you let us know? If you're letting, uh, to let us know, just text the name Jesus to 81411. You're saying yes to Jesus and you're letting us know so that we can follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new journey of relationship with God. I, I wanna say welcome home to those of you that are believing in Jesus by faith. If you're joining us at our uh, Hagerstown campus, we're celebrating with you. We're cheering you on. If you're joining us online and you're saying yes to Jesus, we are celebrating you at our online campus. Um, we're, we're excited for this new commitment you've made saying yes to Jesus. I want you to know that God loves you more than you could ever understand. The, the depth of his love goes deeper than you could possibly imagine. The breadth of his love reaches farther, farther than you could ever imagine. And, and so when you believe in Jesus by faith, God's, God's spirit enters into our spirit and God's love fills our life. And, and here's what I want you to know. You can put all your best efforts in. God's love is better. God's love is different than our kind of love. 
right? Like our love has limits. God's love has no limits. Our, our love gets worn out. God's love has inexhaustible energy. Our love grows cold. Some of you have fallen out of love. You say, I don't love this person anymore. God has never stopped loving you. So when you have God's love in you, it doesn't get exhausted. It doesn't burn out. It doesn't stop loving someone. So what you and I need is God's love that is better than our best effort. You can try as hard as you want. You can give as much as you want. You can love as hard as you want in your own effort. And all you're gonna do is exhaust yourself. And some of you are exhausted. Some of you are giving up. Some of you are worn out. What you need is God's love, which is better. And here's the key, right? It's not just, I need God's love. God's love is the source of true love. Look, when you're doing a, when you, when you do a sermon series and you're starting it around Valentine's Day and the focus is on relationships, it can make people a little awkward. Like it can feel a little awkward, right? Because some of you feel like now you're in a counseling session and I know every guy is like, oh, this is the last thing I want to do. It's the last thing I want to hear about. Others of you, you know, like it's, it could feel like a little bit like, you know, you're thinking about Valentine's Day and it's a little uncomfortable. Like, oh no, Patrick's coaching us on a dating relationship or a love relationship, or, or you're not in a relationship. Like you don't have anyone that like you wanna take a, you know, a couple's selfie while kissing with, right? You don't have anybody like that in your life and now like you're rolling your eyes. You're like, I don't wanna sit here and hear about Patrick talking about relationships. No, no, this is different. This is talking about the fact that I need God's love to be the source of true love. What is the source in your life? What's driving the way you're interacting with others in relationship? For many, like I said, duty, responsibility, obligation, routine. And then when we finally do what we want, it's just desire and passion and pleasure coming out because I'm trying to nurse my frustrations or nurse my wounds, the hurts, by making myself feel better by doing what I want. And often when I do what I want, it's just desire that can hurt others. But we need something new and different. We need a better way. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. Let me show you the most excellent way, the best possible way, which is being filled with God's love. And as, as you know, Lifehouse, whatever fills, spills. So we gotta be first filled. You want me to tell you about God's love, the kind of love that is filling your life? First, God doesn't just have love. God is love. It's really the only attribute that you see in the Bible that defines God. God has other attributes. He, he, he has wisdom. He has power. He is sovereign. But God is, you can define God as love. It's the essence of who God is. And he's, every other attribute of God comes from the fact that he is love. All of his activity is driven by his nature, which is love. Well, what does God's love do? God's love came close to us. He, he left heaven to come to earth, to come near those that were messy. So before we ask for, to bless the mess around us, we really need to look at the mess in the mirror and ask God to bless 
this mess. And here's what I want you to know. God blesses the mess because he comes close to us. He comes into our lives. He's not embarrassed to be near you. He loves you. So what does his love do? His love came close to us. His love took on our shame, our sin, and our suffering. Driven by love, he absorbed our shame and our guilt. He put himself in our place to die for us. His power and strength, his victory rose from the dead, and then he gives us life, right? He didn't hoard it. He gave it to us. His love overcame our shame. His love overcame our guilt. His love overcame the distance we created between us and God. His love bridged the gap. His love overcame our rejection. His love overcame our betrayal. That's God's love that is better. His love lives inside of you when you believe in Jesus by faith. And when God's love is inside of you, you're tapped into the source of love. Suddenly, you don't need relationships to make you feel valuable. You don't need a relationship to affirm you and tell you how special and meaningful and precious you are. You don't need someone in a relationship to tell you that you're enough, you're strong enough, right? Like you can receive that directly from God the Father. You can receive that directly from a God who loves you and who is for you, who says, I love you. And when God's love is living inside of you and you're tapped into the source of God's spirit, you have found a most excellent way. God's love in you. Now, let, let's, let's make this practical. What that means is you need to regularly be tapped into being refilled and fueled by God's love, right? Because what fills spills. But the problem is that it spills. You don't just one time receive God's love through faith in Jesus, and now you have all that you need the rest of your life. You're going to have to be in regular relationship with God in order to have that conduit, that fuel of God's love filling you so that it fuels you, right? And so what do we do? That means we have to be in regular relationship with God, hearing God's love for us, reminded of his forgiveness for us, right? That there's nothing you're gonna ever do that's gonna make God stop loving you or stop forgiving you. You're gonna have to regularly be in God's word so that you're reminded of his character. You're reminded of the story of God. And here's what the Apostle Paul said. He goes, here's the point. God's, the gifts that God gives you, the abilities he gives you, the supernatural power that God puts in you is not enough. In fact, it's nothing if it's not motivated by love. Listen to me carefully. Christian, you're a believer in Jesus. There's nothing you will ever do for God that will be good enough if it's not driven by love. Love is the better way. Love is greater than spiritual gifts and uh, spiritual service. Selfless love is the evidence of God's heart and your heart following God. Selfless love demonstrates God's heart. If you have God's heart in you, it will show through selfless love, not through spiritual gifts, not through your knowledge of the Bible, not through your ability to say spiritual things, right? Like you could say all the right things. If there's no love in it, it is not God. 
If you, you could have amazing faith, but if it's not driven by love, it's empty and worthless. This is why Jesus in his teaching said that there will be people who say, I cast out demons in your name. I did signs and wonders in your name. I healed, I spoke, and when, my, when I spoke, my words, through my words, people's bodies were healed. And Jesus said, but I never knew you. What, what was missing? A relationship with God that brought love. The evidence of growing in, in maturity in your relationship with God will be you grow in love. Now, I wanna, I wanna say it this way, because what fills, spills. So what does it look like when you tap into the source of God's love, what should be coming out of you? So I, I took this passage, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read it in the Patrick Grash version. Hopefully you don't think this is heresy, um, but it's just basically what I did was, he's saying, if you don't have love, then these things mean nothing. If you don't have love, then I am nothing. If, I, if it's not driven by love, then I gave nothing. So let's look at it different. When I speak in love, my words are life-giving. When I use the gifts and the education and the experience God gives me in love, and when my faith is driven by love, instead of it amounting to nothing, it's invaluable and eternal. When I give to the poor and I suffer hardship in love, I am giving to what is eternal and I gain an eternal reward. See, love, here's the key. God's love turns little things into great things. God's love turns little things into great things. Now, I don't know about you. On my best days, I don't think that I speak like an angel. I don't think that the words coming out of my mouth are the tongues of great men. On my best days, I don't think that often I have faith that can move mountains. And you know, I'm your pastor. I don't think that on my best days, even when I'm motivated by great generosity, I am prepared to give everything I have. So what Paul did was he put the standard at, if you did the impossible, if you brought your very best gifts, you brought your best effort, you put on your best behavior, it would be worthless without love. But with love, even your least becomes best. In love, a small gesture becomes eternally valuable. Jesus said, if you give a glass of water in my name, meaning driven by love, it has an eternal reward. If you give a kind word, just a, a gentle word, driven by love, it can change someone's life. You see what happens, right? God's love, this selfless love, reshapes our efforts into something extraordinary because it's not our efforts anymore. God, selfless love, when the source of love inside of us becomes God's love, God can take ordinary everyday moments and turn them into extraordinary eternal moments. Suddenly now a hug driven by selfless love can transform a relationship. God can take your ordinary efforts when he covers them with his selfless love, he can turn those efforts into something extraordinary. 
I mean, who doesn't want to hear what Mother Teresa had to say, right? She, she said this while she was living. The needs are great, and none of us, including me, ever do great things. But we can all do small things with great love, and together we can do something wonderful. There it is right there, right? What fills, spills. And if what motivates me is selfless love, God's love that fills, he can turn a normal conversation into words that are love-filled and life-changing. He could take an ordinary gift, maybe just you preparing a meal, maybe you just writing a little note. He could take a little gift that you give to or through the church, a little gift that you give a neighbor, making cookies for someone. And that, that gift, driven by generosity, that comes from selfless love becomes life changing. It actually becomes the antidote to greed. No matter what you suffer for God, if it lacks love, it's empty. You gave nothing in suffering. But suffering, suffering an insult, suffering a hurt, you know, absorbing someone else's frustrations, how do you do that? You do that because you love them. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love absorbs some suffering. And when you absorb it because of love, you've given a great gift back to God because Jesus absorbed all suffering because of our sin. And as a result, we're forgiven of sin and given new life. And so this passage, this teaching concludes with this. In verse 13, he says, now these three, th these three things remain. Faith, hope, love. You know what the greatest of them is? Love. The best possible way is godly, selfless love. Now, if you're anything like me, in this moment, you just feel slightly, the word I wanna use is convicted, but what, I, what it means is, I feel this prompting inside of me that like, yeah, I'm not doing this well. I need to do better. This is not about you trying harder. This isn't about you getting your honeydew list done. This isn't about you doing more, working more, trying to figure out how to say the right thing. The truth is you could stumble over your words if you love and it'll be life-changing. This isn't about you giving more. It's about the motivation of your giving coming from God's love. It's not about you having more faith. It's about your faith being covered in love. So what, what's that step you need to take right now? For some of you, that step is saying yes to Jesus. It's texting us saying, hey, I made a commitment to Jesus. For others of you though, you believe in Jesus what, and, and what you need is to re-tap into the source of God's love, but be reminded that what fills spills. How is selfless love that only comes from God spilling into your marriage, into your children, into your home, into your work relationships, into your commute, into your, what you're listening to and what you're watching through entertainment is, is godly selfless love filling and spilling. And if not, how, how do you need to shift? This is the ultimate instruction, instruction manual. Maybe there's some things that need to be reassembled in your life and relationships. It happens through godly love. Maybe, there, maybe you're at the beginning of building a relationship. It can only happen through selfless love sourced in God. Let's take a moment. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, what we realize we need is you. We need you to pour your love into our lives, to forgive us and give us new and forever life. What we need is that love in us to spill through us. So God, right now, for every person and every relationship that that individual has, for love to begin to pour through them, to funnel through them into all those different relationships. God, I'm praying for healing in homes praying for healing in marriages. I'm praying for healing in a parent-child relationship. Praying for healing in hearts right now. Individuals that are carrying deep brokenness because love did not wash away the hurt. Pray for healing. Lord, I pray for healing in workplaces, in employer-employee relationship, in classrooms, between classmates. God, that your selfless love will begin to heal and transform lives. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.